Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, my name is Noah Ring, co-host of Let Freedom Ring. And I'm Paulette, also a co-host of Let Freedom Ring. Paulette and I started this podcast because we are both conservative college students who are tired of hearing David Hogg preach propaganda to our generation. It is our goal with this podcast to fight back against the mainstream media who seeks to turn our generation into socialists. President Reagan said it best when he said, If we lose freedom here, there is no place to escape to. Please join Noah and I in fighting for freedom by subscribing to our podcast that comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, enough of this boring intro. Let's get into the show. Hey everyone, Noah Ring here. Just want to come in uh, real quick and tell you that this episode will not have Paulette in it because Paulette is apparently busy. Uh, I know she made a promise to you and I. I'm aware. I know she made a promise to you and I. I've had a strict talking with her and told her that I I told her that that you guys are going to be upset. That's what I told her. I told her that you guys like her more than you like me. We all know that. We all know that. So I told her, but she should just... All jokes aside, she should be back for the next episode. Um, I believe she had some family come in town. So today we are joined by the host of Youth of the Nation. I've been on the podcast a couple of times. In fact, later on you'll hear a promotion for Youth, in, Youth of the Nation uh, from Tyler. So without further ado, joining us today is host of the Youth of the Nation podcast and probably the youngest podcaster, at least in the conservative realm, Tyler Hickson. Tyler, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, well, I guess my name's Tyler. Uh, I host the Youth of the Nation, uh, which is a daily show Monday through Thursday live at the patrioticyouth.com slash live. Uh, we used to be in on YouTube, but we've been in a little bit of trouble with them at points and we're just done with dealing with YouTube. So we've just moved it to the website. Uh, it's an hour to an hour and a half, uh, show. We do sketches. We have guests. We've had no on the show two times now. Uh, we have a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, I'm 14. So I guess might be the youngest conservative podcaster out there. So yeah. But, um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's a great show. Um, you gotta check it out. I'll make sure it's linked down below. But, uh, so Tyler, what makes a 14 year old 13, maybe at the time decide to start a political podcast or a podcast in general? Um, to piss off my teachers. That's basically what happened. So I had a super leftist teacher in eighth grade. Uh, his I'm actually not going to say his name. I don't want to dox him. But he would give us uh, these objective news articles from the New York Times or CNN. And it would be, you know, crazy stuff about, you know, the, the uh, gender wealth gap or the um, – Climate change is how it's going to kill us all. So I started that show uh, in September of last year uh, during the COVID, you know, pandemic and all that. 
uh, near the election where, you know, I started getting into politics more because I was done with the government infringing on our freedoms, and I was done with teachers teaching uh, BS claims. Like, uh, you know, I, ha I had an argument with this teacher once about the AR-15. Uh, he was claiming that the AR-15 stood for assault rifle. He called me a right-wing disinformation whatever. Or I, was, I was spouting right-wing disinformation. And then he looked it up, and then I embarrassed him in front of the class. Uh, and so that's kind of what started um, – that's why I started the podcast. Um, didn't expect it to – I mean, we, we're not as averaging as many views as you probably do, but uh, we didn't expect it to grow at all. And so I finally brought my producer on. He's been on the show for two, three months now. Uh, he's my co-host as well. Um, and we just have a good time with it. We keep, make sure that all our sources are available to you guys, so any statistic we use – uh, we always source it, and uh, we, we try to do some comedy sketches here and then. Um, can't say that they're funny, but they're better than Stephen Colbert, at least. Low bar to entry. So what were you? Were you 13 or were you 14 when you actually started the podcast? <laughs> so it was kind of like Greta Thunberg. I say I started at 13, but it was a month away from my birthday. So technically I started at 13, but... I was pretty much 14 at the point. Well, I fair, was pretty fair much 14 enough. at the point. Um, so... Take us through before you started the podcast. What were you, you know, I credit my, me getting involved in politics at around 13, 14, 15 years old to me watching uh, a lot of Ben Shapiro, a lot of Milo Yiannopoulos. What really, like, who would you say inspired you to get involved in politics, to start becoming knowledgeable in politics, and to eventually start Youth of the Nation? So... My grandma has always been super conservative. Uh, my mom used to be a liberal, voted for Obama and all that, uh, and then finally she turned around and was like, I'm done with voting Democrat. She uh, is now the conservative. It's really just my mom and I involved in politics. Um, and so I started listening to people like Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager was a big one that I listened to. Candace Owens, um, Matt Walsh. Uh, he is probably one of my favorite podcasters of all time. Uh, and I was listening to them, and then finally I listened to Knowles. I listened to Michael Knowles, and I was like, if I can do it, or if Knowles can do it, I can do it. So uh, I started the podcast, and really the first few episodes weren't that political. Um, I, I know I touched on Black Lives Matter in the second episode, and it was mostly just kind of about go coming through the pandemic as a kid. And then we got to the first debate, and that's when I started getting more political is I was just done with politicians lying. So I started getting more political and here we are now. A lot of things I want to ask you, but, and this may be just be a very long podcast. So let's, let's talk about that. How did, cause I think, I think we're going to see a lot of Supreme court cases over the next probably three to four to 10 years regarding what the government can do when it calls a, a state of emergency. Take us through what, like what during the quarantine made you decide to turn your podcast more political? So over quarantine, my family didn't quarantine that much. We were we were freaked out at first. I think everyone was kind of nervous. I mean, it's a new virus, uh, but that lasted a month. Then we were just done. Uh, I quarantined my producer. We live really close to each other. We basically quarantined together um, with a bunch of other friends and. 
I didn't start the podcast until Idaho opened up in like August and I started in September and it was just because I was like, you know what? I want to get my thoughts out. You know, I feel like it'd be a fun thing to do. I was already, I had all my microphones and stuff like that uh, from recording guitar and stuff like that. So I just started the podcast and um, really it was at the point where Dr. Fauci, uh, which he drives me insane. Uh, we've got a shirt on our merch store. That's a, uh, it's a Uncle Sam. I want you to ignore uh, Fauci because he's he's one of the most annoying politicians on the planet. I know he's not technically a politician, but he's been making the laws, which is what a politician's supposed to do. So it was at the point where uh, we California was locked down. My my family has restaurants in Cal. Well, had restaurants in California. Thanks to Newsom, they are all gone basically. And it was just infuriating to watch the government just be able to put their hand in everything. And I'm, I'm, my family is from Canada, so I've been watching Canada fall apart. Uh, Trudeau is a disgrace to Canada. Canada, it's complete. It's a disappointment. Uh, and basically, I was watching what happened in Canada happen here, and then. I started becoming more active in history. So I started researching Lenin. Uh, I started researching uh, Stalin, you know, all of those people. I have a book that I'm writing about that. Uh, and I started seeing the different techniques that they used and that our government is using right now. And that's when I just became politically active. I was like, people, I had kids at school who thought communism was the greatest thing on the planet. You had a... Uh, people at school who thought that they were oppressed because they're women. And it's all the rich white girls, too, who are like, I'm oppressed, and they live in the nicest houses. So that's kind of when I became politically active on the podcast. Okay, yeah, I think I think you and I have very similar reasons why we got into politics. You know, you wanted to make a teacher upset, and I wanted to just make liberals upset. Um, so, all right, take me through this. So... Because, you know, on the podcast on Friday, we just had Dr. Rich McCormick on and I asked him this question. I think this is probably something I'm going to ask every guest moving forward um, because there's no good definition for it. How would you define, first off, would you consider yourself a conservative and how then would you define conservatism if asked, which I'm asking you now. So how would you define it? Um, so I would say I'm a conservative for sure. Uh, I believe as, as a conservative, I believe in the traditional values. So nuclear family, I believe in the constitution, the declaration of independence. I believe in the Bible. Um, those are the most important documents, the constitution, the Bible, Bible, of course, first. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm very pro-life. Uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. So, um, I, I basically have the same just Judeo-Christian values, and then I just applied that to politics. So um, pro-life, I believe in the laissez-faire approach to capitalism, so I believe hands-off government should not be involved in it, um, what Adam Smith believed in. I believe in uh, the basics of human rights, of course. I believe all men are created equal uh, by their creator. I believe in the Second Amendment, um, which I used to not. Uh, I didn't understand why we needed guns. And then I started looking at history, and I realized, oh, there's a reason why the founders put this in there. Um, 
I am also, uh, I believe in low taxes, uh, especially when I got my first job. I was like, this is BS. Why does the government, the government wasn't working with me till one in the morning. So why should they get a cut? Um, and really, I believe just conservatism is limited government, uh, lower taxes, pro-life, um, believing in Judeo-Christian values, and um, I would say a conservative believes in just the traditional family, mother, father, uh, and the kids, and uh, that's that's just what I believe as a conservative. Okay, so, so walk me through this. So... My view of conservatism is that you want to conserve the power of government. You want to shrink the power of government. That's my view of conservatism. So you want you don't want the government to be involved in my life just as much as I don't want them to be involved in your life. So, but you also said that you support a conservative supports Judeo Christian values. So, do you think that there are, let's say, LGBT conservatives, transgender conservatives? What, what's your opinion on that? So uh, that's actually confusing. So I believe that there are some definitely LGBT, I always forget the acronym, uh, conservatives for sure. I believe, you know, um, I don't think Caitlyn Jenner is necessarily conservative, but I do believe that there are people who believe in basic Judeo-Christian values. Now, of course, the Bible uh, does condemn homosexuality, and I believe that uh, you cannot— really be a homosexual christian but i do believe that jesus is he did die on the cross to save uh, to forgive us for our sins and i do believe we are a fallen uh race we are all human beings are not perfect at all um and i do believe that there can be lgbtq conservatives for sure um i just think there are some things i i don't think transgender conservatives there, there's many um, real ones because we don't believe in, you know, the basics of – we believe that there's basic human biology. We don't believe that, you know, people can just change their sex on a whim. Okay. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. So what is your experience, you know, and given you're in a very conservative state – what is your experience with your peers? Do you find that they're conservative? Do you find that they're uh, feel like you do? I mean, because Utah is not a very liberal state. Now, granted, I, I think you do uh, live in a very liberal part of the state. So I, I live in Idaho, Boise, Idaho. And uh, yeah, so in Boise, Idaho, it's the bluest part. Um very especially where i live the community i live in um everyone had a biden sign or during you know pride month had a uh, pride flag um there's one american flag in my neighborhood um and sadly it's not ours we have nowhere we can put a flagpole just because it's, our house is like a wind tunnel so anything you put up will fall down um so it's it's sad that we can't put it up i would say most of my peers uh, would be pretty liberal, very progressive. Um, I have one of my closest friends, or was one of my closest friends, super liberal, um, believed she was oppressed uh, by the patriarchy and all that. And the, the funny thing is she lives in one of the richest neighborhoods in Boise. 
And that's the thing is I live in a, a wealthier part of Idaho. Boise is a pretty wealthy city. The wealthier you get, the more liberal it seems you get. Most people want to say that, you know, the wealthier you get, the more conservative you get. I would disagree. I would say that the wealthier you get, you get the more people who are claiming to be oppressed. Uh, I go to school with – we have a program at our school that uh, is supposed to help immigrants. So we have people – we have these two girls from Afghanistan that go to our school. Um, they don't buy into the feminist movement. They're like, we can go outside in America. Like, we're so free. Um I have this uh, kid uh, who is from Nigeria, and he's the most – he always has an American flag. He wore a Trump hat to school. Um, he's only been living in America for the last four years and big Trump supporter. And so I would say all the white people seem to be more liberal, um, and all the people who have come from different countries are more conservative because they can see – what has happened in their country. We have someone who's from Venezuela uh, whose family escaped uh, Chavez. And that's a thing is they see socialism. They're like, guys, it destroyed my home country. So I would say most of the peers at my school, most of them don't even know about my podcast um, just because, I mean, the first episode I had or one of the first episodes I had was about how lockdowns have destroyed so many people's lives. And immediately I have someone who will uh, – a family friend of ours who will not talk to me anymore. They don't acknowledge my existence. Um, and it's a sad thing now because if you believe one thing, you just get completely shunned in your social life. Now, granted, I live in a very conservative part of a conservative state. I've definitely you know, understand that and I've felt that. I feel like many people who are listening today have lost friends, quote-unquote friends, due to uh, – due to being a conservative or even really being a Democrat. Not that I think many Democrats listen, but I, I, I do envision that there has been at least one Democrat who's lost a friend for supporting Biden or Hillary or whoever. Um, so let's kind of switch topics to more of a more of a current event, and I kind of want to get your, your opinion on it. So I'm sure that you, you saw that Joe Biden wants to send people door-to-door -door, uh, to kind of push the vaccine. What's your thoughts on this, Tyler? Well, uh, you can go listen to our last episode. We had a sketch about this. We had one of the vaccine salesmen come to our uh, house. It was just something we came up with in like 10 minutes, uh, but I'm, I'm proud of it. So I don't think it's, it's right. Uh, the government, because of the Fourth Amendment, it's unconstitutional for them to have our uh, medical records without a warrant. Um, now, there are certain cases where, of course, you've got someone who – uh, is mentally ill. They're bringing it in front of court to make sure that he can't get a firearm, right? And this is someone who is severely mentally ill, has, you know, talked about shootings, right? You can bring up their medical records if you have a warrant. But it's the same thing. Our medical records are part of our privacy, right? And for the, you know, the pro-abortion left, they're like, oh, well, we have a right to privacy. Well, where are they right now? Because they're going to look at our medical records come door to door. But there's also the sense of we don't know what, what that entails. What are they going to do when they come to our door? I'm not saying like they're going to come with guns uh, and you know put it to our head and be like, you don't, if you don't get the vaccine, we'll shoot you. But uh, it could be something like you know when you have to take the census. You have people come to your house every single day until you finally take it. 
Um, and I think that's a scary thing because the government should not be involved in our medical anything. That's between our doctors and us. That's a right to privacy, as the pro-abortion left will say. That's why they say the government should not be allowed to say, uh, you know, my body, my choice. The government cannot say I can't kill a baby inside of me. And they're not applying it to the same thing because now it's just everyone needs to get vaccinated or else. Um, so that's my thing with it is it's just an intrusion on our privacy. And I do think that some states would treat it different than other states. I think that, you know, you come down to Florida. First off, I could see I could see Florida or Georgia, you know, finding a way to ban it. Um, if it even comes to fruition, I don't think it'll ever come to fruition. But I do think you will see states like maybe potentially your former state of California where it's a lot more heavily pushed than um, – Right. So it, it will be for sure. Take me through this. So obviously, you know, I agree with you on this. I back the blue as well. So what do you think is a message that you and I could take forward to people in our generation who are a cab, you know, all cops are, are bastards, this, that, the other, all cops are bad, whatever it may be. What do you think is a good way for us to message that? Let's say there's a grandmother listening whose daughter shaved her head and dyed her shaved head blue and supports you know the ACAB movement the BLM movement part that wants to eradicate the police what would you what would you say to that grandmother how do you sleep at night how do you sleep safely at night because who's there protecting you who's there every night protecting you that's the police and that's a sad thing that people don't realize because it's one of those things that we take for granted uh the right to free speech that's something we take for granted especially the left Right there, and conservatives are becoming more and more grateful for it as we're losing our freedom of speech. But the left goes, well, we can take it from some people, but then it's gonna, it's like a, um, uh, Robespierre. Robespierre. I forgot the name. It's French, and no one can remember anything French. Um, he was Robespierre, Maximilian Robespierre. Yeah, he was taken by his own guillotine. It came back to bite him in the butt. He canceled a bunch, canceled a bunch of people, which is you know. By that, I mean he killed them, um, and then he got killed by his own followers. And I think that's what's going to happen with the, the left because they take freedom of speech. But I think they also take cops for granted because, yes, there are some bad cops. Of course there are. There's bad doctors. There's bad lawyers. Um, there's bad anything. There's bad people in this world, and you're not going to weed them all out. And with cops, they're the ones who are protecting uh, everyone. Right. And of course, we also have the Second Amendment designed to protect us. Right. They want to take away both. And I feel like one thing that should happen if I were to be elected president in like, I don't know, 21 years or something like that. I don't know when I can run. Um, maybe I'll run at 78 like our president. Um, I would initiate a program that you just opt out of the police. If you say defund the police, you just automatically opt out of it. This is something I talked about with one of the guests I had on the show, because who comes running to the cops when someone comes in your house? Everyone who says all all cops are bad, right? They go to the police immediately when something bad happens to them. Um, we've seen this countless this time. We saw it in Portland with uh, some representative. We saw it with um, whoever the dude who got carjacked was that in? I think that was that in Georgia. No, Atlanta. I think it was a city councilman who had voted to defund the police. I believe. 
So, yeah, it's he voted to defund the police and then immediately called the police when something bad happened to them. So I honestly think we got to call their bluff, right? They're saying, oh, all police are bad, but they rely on the police just as much as everyone does. And, of course, the police are not perfect. But I think that's something that, you know, a grandmother could teach him is like, what are you going to do with that? Who, how do you protect yourself uh, in a situation like that? Because if you know, most of the all cops are bad people, uh, they don't have they don't own guns. That's my uh, idea is they probably don't own guns. They're probably not pro Second Amendment. Now, you might have those libertarian uh, people who like oh, I just don't like government officials at all. Uh, and who are Second Amendment, uh, they're pro-Second Amendment. So I think that's one of the things we can do is just show people, when you don't have police, this is what happens. And it's going to backfire on Democrats because they are, I mean, we already see it. They're trying to now show or push that Republicans have been the party of defund the police. Um, we saw Jen Psaki do it. We had a full uh, fact check on that on our show. I think that was our last episode because it's completely BS. Um, and it's starting to hurt the Democrats. So they're now going to shift from being all cops, cops are bad to, oh, we just need to reform the police a little bit. I think you're 100% right. Um, and I think I think the only standard Democrats have are double standards. I'm going to ask you a question, um, and your answer is not allowed to well, I'll ask you two questions. I'll ask you two questions at the same time and let you answer both of them. Who is your favorite politician for who is not currently in office? And then who is your favorite politician that is like currently, you know, congressman, senator, governor, any could even be a city councilman if you want. Well, um I mean, obviously excluding George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, um Ronald Reagan, of course. Now, I haven't been involved in politics that long. You know, I've only been around, I mean, president-wise. I've had Bush, Obama, and Trump, uh, which Trump is way better than both. It's super low bar for Trump because Obama and Bush were not very good. Trump was amazing at his job. Um, and so I would say Reagan, of course. I sadly did not live during Reagan, but... He was the most conservative president uh, before, you know, Donald Trump, of course. And I think that's why uh, he would be my favorite. He seemed to fight for the American people. He would, I, he was more limited government than, you know, current presidents, FDR. Um, and of course, I don't know that much about politics in the past because I didn't live during that. Uh, but my current favorite politician, um, I like DeSantis a lot. DeSantis is amazing. Um, but I also love our governor here, Brad Little. I have a lot of respect for Brad Little. He has signed into uh, the ban on CRT in public schools. He has, um, I mean, he's he's speaking at TPUSA. Uh, he's just a very conservative dude. Um and I like him a lot. It's either between Brad Little and Ron DeSantis. I would be surprised if somehow Ron DeSantis, assuming Trump doesn't run, if Ron DeSantis doesn't get the nomination somehow. I mean, he is super popular within the Republican Party. He's polling at like 
he's number two if Trump is in the race, and he's number one if Trump's out of the race. There's never been somebody who's overtaken him for number one. Um, okay, so we have we have you know the past of history, who you like, who you like currently, and we've kind of got an idea of your political philosophy. Although I will ask about some other things later on. What do you see as the future of both the conservative movement and American politics in general? So I'm a little bit optimistic, but I'm also pessimistic. So the optimist side of me says there's going to be more people like me who wake up. There's going to be younger people, people like you, people like C.J. Pearson, people like, um, uh, you know, my producer Caden, right? He used to be super hardcore leftist. Now he's more a classical liberal, right? We're going to have more of that. That's the optimist side of me. The pessimistic side of me says that the Republican Party um, is going to just go further left. We've seen it, right? We have Mitt Romney who, you know, bows down to the left every single time they uh, say something. And I know there's there's that joke online where they're talking about, like, oh, eventually the Republican Party is going to be like the Democratic Socialists and uh, the uh, Democratic Party is going to be like the full-blown communist, uh, you know, Lenin, Stalin are the greatest human beings on the planet. So that's the pessimistic side of me. But I do believe that if young people like us stand up, uh, start getting the message out there, convincing people that, you know, I used to be a liberal, right? Like before I got involved in politics, I was more liberal. I was always patriotic for my country. Uh, I don't know how anyone could not love this country and live here. Um, and I... I woke up because I just started becoming informed. I started learning more about why, you know, history and stuff like that, why we have the rights that we have. Why, why is there a Second Amendment? Uh, when I started learning more about guns, um, I don't shoot very often, um, and I didn't know much about them until my uncle started teaching me. Um, and there's just a lot of things like that that once people get more informed – they tend to lean more conservative or, you know, classical liberal moderate area rather than a complete Black Lives Matter, America's bad uh, leftist. Yeah, I can I can agree with you there. I can see America going one of two ways. Because um, on one hand, I see more and more tweets and posts every day of I regret my vote for Biden. Trump was right. This, that, the other. Right. But on the other end, I see stuff like what's it um governor cuomo's daughter is now a demisexual which means she's she's attracted to people who she has feelings for i was like so what you're saying is you're bisexual because bisexual people are attracted to anybody they have feelings for as well it it's just confusing and so i don't know if you listen to joe rogan at all but he had tim dylan on and i love the tim dylan episodes that he has on because they're just they're hilarious if you've never listened to him you have to listen to him because that, Tim isn't isn't a conservative, but he's a very like I would say common sense Democrat. I, I would say, um, what what he said was, you know, they brought up some story and I can't exactly recall what it was, and he said I see stuff like this and it makes me think China's already won. Because my personal opinion, and I'll, I'll let you you know you you explore this idea as well. My personal opinion is that the worst piece of legislation signed in the 21st century was the free trade agreement with China. 
I think that was the worst thing that happened because it gave China unfettered access to the American public. So I actually, right before I came here, uh, I just had an interview with uh, Jason Sheftel, and he is he studied in China, right? And he explained to me basically how the China Chinese economy works, right? It's not a consumer base like we are, right? The Chinese, uh, they're just a giant factory, basically. We keep on sending our jobs over, and that makes the Chinese economy grow. We have full control. All the countries that send, all the companies that send their manufacturing to China, we have control on whether or not the Chinese grow uh, economically or not. And uh, one of the things that we are discussing is if jobs, if uh, corporations just made the jobs here in the U.S., we'd become much stronger. Uh, now, when was the uh, that, that trade agreement signed? 2001. Okay, so a little bit. Uh, older than I uh, than I am, like three years older than I am. So I honestly do not know the details about the trade agreement. Well, so basically it's it was a free trade agreement with China. Um, and it basically led to, you can see, and I was listening to, I think it was Breaking Points with Crystal and Sagar, which if you guys haven't listened to it, you too, Tyler, it's great. You got to check it out. Um, so basically, here here comes the manufacturing jobs in the state. They're you know, or in the United States, they're being relatively, you know, moderate. They're relatively staying the same. And then you see in two thousand one, as soon as Joe or George Bush signs the free trade deal with China, the manufacturing jobs drop, or the manufacturing jobs drop. And what you see happening then is. In these com- communities in the Rust Belt that eventually are the reason Donald Trump became president, they lose. That's why factories are shutting down. That's why all this is shutting down. And that's why I personally believe it is the worst uh, piece of legislation signed. So, okay. So what I would say with that is it is – that does sound pretty bad. Um, as we I, we talked about it on the show uh, when I did the interview, which will be up this Sunday, um, that China's again, China's economy is just based on what we uh, give to China, and so China. The only reason China's growing is because we're weakening ourselves. Um, the leader of Vietnam during the Vietnam War said the only way America was going to die is by you know basically by suicide, right? And that's what we're doing as a country right now. We're giving our jobs to China, China who is our number one threat. I would still say they're a little bit more of a paper tiger, but people want to focus on Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, Vladimir Putin, so bad. I don't like Vladimir Putin. I don't think Russia is good, but their GDP is lower than Italy's, and their economy is not growing rapidly. China, on the other hand, their economy is growing rapidly because we're shipping our jobs overseas. So I would say that is actually probably one of the worst pieces of a legislation because we're just we're weakening ourselves willingly right well so the reason why i fear china is because china has been controlled by the chinese communist party for generations i mean since before mao or since i think mao was the first one the problem with the u.s which is a good and bad thing it's a double-edged sword when it comes to things like this 
is we change our politics every four to eight years. I mean, it's very un- it's very unlikely to get the same political candidate, the same political party elected for more than two consecutive things. You know, obviously a Republican in office for eight years and then a, a Republican after him. It's very unlikely. I mean, it typically goes Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Republican, Democrat in some in some ideas. So my fear when it comes to China is every quote unquote election is really just Chinese Communist Party and then they whoever they want. Right now it's what Xi Jinping, which is a hard name to pronounce. But that's my All problem names is are in China. A lot of names are hard. Some U.S. names are hard to pronounce. But so the problem becomes that China can set a date. Like China has has had this idea for the last at least 20 years where and Donald Trump did a lot of fighting against China, but he only had four years. And in that Xi Jinping, he has pretty much unfettered control over China when Donald Trump still has to get stuff passed through. Congress has to get stuff approved by the Supreme Court. That's why I fear China. Not so much that they could beat our military, but that they are so good at disguising their influence. Well, I think a lot of the problems with China is the fact that, you know, the NBA um, won't acknowledge certain things, right? They, they with the Hong Kong protests, right? Uh, we have all these different cultural institutions. We had John Cena apologizing to China for... Uh, saying that Taiwan was a country, which it is, uh, and I'm not sorry to China because Taiwan is a country. Like you can't, it's like saying America is not a country. And the problem is, as Americans, we're not really stepping up. Uh, we've got all of our big corporations still shipping jobs over to China. We've got um, corporations bending the will there, uh, to the Chinese Com- Communist Party, right? Anytime the Chinese Communist Party gets outraged, uh, we have Hollywood, they, they always apologize, right? I mean, John Cena is the latest example. And I think that's where we have a problem with China. Is China is a threat. There's no denying that. Um, but they're only a threat because we're making them a threat. We're turning them into something stronger. Um, we have control on whether or not China has, uh, you know, if they attack Taiwan, right? Our, our president's probably not going to do anything about it because, I mean, he's not there at all. And we have this problem right now with uh, just nothing being done uh, to stop China. Instead, we're just giving everything. We're giving our jobs to China. That's what Trump did really well is he took the jobs and put them back in the U.S., which helps us and weakens China. And that's the problem is we're the ones making China stronger. And we could all just step up. You know, weaken the Chinese, the entire all all of China, and eventually you get the Soviet Union, and the Soviet Union collapsed. That's what's gonna. It's bound to happen eventually, if we actually step up and stop. You know, we're just giving them our jobs. We're giving them uh, anytime someone says Taiwan's real. You know, we've got who we're just listening to who, which is definitely corrupted by the Chinese Communist Party. And for those who don't know who he's standing for, the World Health Organization. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going start this over, we'll cut that out. I forget that this is audio only, so it's very easy to cut it out. So I'm going to list some either phrases or names or ideas 
and real quick in a sentence or less, you give me your reaction to him, okay? All right. Constitutional carry. Good thing. That's that's all I can say. I don't know much about firearms. I'm 14. Like I've gone shooting t- twice now, right? Um, I'm going taking my dad shooting, right? I know how to shoot a firearm, but I don't know what constitutional carry really is. Uh, it's basically the ability to conceal, open, basically to carry a firearm anywhere, you know, outside of government buildings, this, that, the other, with uh, without having to need any sort of permit. That's what constitutional carry is. Um, all right, you, you threw up, you threw me off track. All right, so constitutional carry. Then we'll go with. Joe Biden. Old and uh, old. <laughs> I can't do her laugh, but oh, she's just a joke. That's that's all I can say. She's a joke. Uh, a patriot. He's a patriot for sure. Abolishing the income tax. I would say that's a good thing because you can I believe in sales tax. I think sales tax is okay, but income tax there's no point and especially when they bring in tax the rich. So Tyler, tell us a little bit more about your your podcast, Youth of the Nation. Yeah, so it's a live show Monday through Thursday. We do it at 7 p.m. Eastern, roughly. It it fluctuates from day to day. Um, we have normally two, one or two big segments of the day. Uh, normally our biggest one's 20 to 30 minutes, uh, where we normally take a leftist claim, we debunk it, or we explain... Um, you know, something going in the on in the world, uh, stuff like that. And... That's basically the show, right? We make sure to make it fun. We have comedy sketches. Um, we've done, you know, fake Dominion ads. Um, you know, we do a lot of satire. Uh, we're hoping to bring video soon, and then we can do more Photoshop stuff uh, and entertaining stuff like that. We have a lot of guest interviews, so we've had no, no on the show. Uh, we've had Owen Stevens. He was kicked out of college for saying a man is a man and a woman is a woman, uh, and we've had him on the show. Uh, we've had tons of guests. And then the thing that we enjoy doing most is we give our sources, right? Um, we don't use any right-wing sources, really. We use the Daily Wire and Fox News every once in a while, and sometimes the Blaze, and sometimes Breitbart. But we normally use New York Times, CNN, um, all those those objective news sources um, to prove our points. We use the statistics they bring up and use them against them. So, yeah, that's that's basically the show. Yeah, no, like he said, I've been on twice. I was on for the 100th episode, I believe it was. Um, it's a great show. I listen uh, whenever I'm free. I don't have a lot of free time nowadays. So let me ask you this question. So what do you make of the – what do you think the future of the Democratic Party is? Do you think the future is Joe Biden or do you think the future is AOC? What do you think? I think, sadly, it's going to be AOC. I think AOC, 
a lot of people really like her. I had a socialist on the show that I debated, right? And, I mean, he literally said on the show, if I had half the brain cells that AOC had when I was 26, I would be a genius. And my only thought was, no, if you had half the brain cells, you would not be able to function in life. Um, she is a... She does a very good job. She is a very personal, personable person, right? She uh, has, you know, she has got a good online presence, right? She has those things. She'd be a great, you know, podcaster probably, uh, stuff like that. Problem is she doesn't think things through, right? And so I think more people uh, are going to wake up to the idea, oh, free college? That sounds great. Oh, free healthcare? Oh, free everything? And that's what's going to win the votes is you offer someone free everything. And, of course, they're going to be like, oh, that sounds great. Um, and that's what AOC has been pitching. Uh, the Democratic Party, I believe all politicians, this is one of the biggest problems, is they just seek power. So they're going to do anything to get uh, a voter base. So the Democrats are slowly going to go further left towards AOC and maybe even further left. Um, and I think the right's also going to follow them which is kind of sad because we're going to have people like Mitt Romney who are then going to be, you know, uh, where, you know, Joe Manchin is now. Um, and then you're going to have Joe Manchin where, you know, Nancy Pelosi is more radical. And then you're going to have Nancy Pelosi where AOC is. And I think we're just going to have this whole shift uh, to the AOC side of things. Well, I, I certainly hope you're wrong. I certainly hope that the future is more of a Connor Lamb future. Um so so tell me this where do you see yourself in the future what do you let's say it's 10 years from now what would you be like mid 20s 25 where, where do you see your future in in life what, what is your dream future i should say um well my dream future i mean of course millionaire in my mansion, never having to worry about politics. But where I see myself, I either see myself um, sadly probably removed from a lot of things. I think uh, sadly we're going to be removed from YouTube. Uh, we're going to be removed from podcast apps. But I do have hope. I think that conservatives are going to finally s step up and make other apps. I think in 10 years I'll be – I'm hoping – you know, I can be one of the people who helps replace Ben Shapiro and stuff like that. When, you know, sadly, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin's going to die anytime soon. Um, he's, what is he, like 170 years old? Um, I think, I'm hoping that I'm one of the ones that replaces them, uh, that gets to uh, go speak at, you know, universities and gets to go uh, do that. But I'm I'm really hoping that, in 10, 10 or so years, um, I can be one of the people who changes people's minds because my mind was changed by Dennis Prager and Candace Owens. Your mind was changed by Ben Shapiro. Um, I hope I can be one of those person, those people who step up, share my opinion, convince maybe, you know, if it's five people, that's five new Republican voters, uh, and that's five less Democratic voters, and. That, that's my dream future. I definitely think you, you know, 
if you keep growing the way that you you are because you're mean, you... you're magic your entire presence on the show like made it go higher So we know about, like I said, we know the past. We know what you think the future is. What do you, what do you think the Republicans' chances in twenty twenty two are? Do you think we'll retake the House? What do you think, you know, will happen in the Senate? What's your opinion on that? We're going to retake the Senate for sure. Um, the House, I'm not sure about, and I think all of the Democrats' part, part policies, uh, the fact that they're going so radical, is going to bite them in the butt. Um, you know, you've got the defund the police thing where people are not fans of that. You've got the people who, uh, you know, finally there was that protest at the Wii Spa. People are done with, you know, having biological men in their sports, biological men in their bathrooms, right? Um, which I think is morally wrong. You're going to have people step up finally. And, uh, I think, I mean, we were talking about the tweets earlier. Everyone's like, oh, I regret voting for Biden. People are going to not vote Democrat. Um, people aren't going to necessarily be gung-ho supporters of the Republicans, but they're going to be done, fed up with the Democrats' policies. They're, going, they're getting too radical. And um, you're, of course, going to have those few on the left uh, who are radical, but the moderates who just hated Trump because of his personality— my producer, he can't stand the Democratic Party, but he didn't like Trump that much, right? Um, that's that's you're gonna have those voters not vote for the Democrats in 2022, and I I hope that's the case. It could be entirely wrong, but I I really hope that's the case for 2022. I'd rather, I, me personally, I would rather take back the Senate in 2022 because Stephen Breyer is he means 82 years old, and if we take back the Senate. And Joe Biden does appoint somebody to fill his seat, which it looks is probably likely. Whoever is appointed to take that seat, if we have the Senate, is going to be more thoroughly vetted, is most likely going to get a lot of scrutiny, and they won't appoint somebody who is a replacement to RBG. They may, you know, you know, they may appoint somebody who's more like John Roberts, where very, very moderate. Um I have to say that's probably looking back on it one of the worst things bush did was give us john roberts because of how just moderate he's been on the issue he doesn't really have i think a very i think he approaches being a justice or the chief justice kind of the way politicians approach re-election they just try to do whatever they think is popular when that's not the role of a judge so that's my thoughts on it at least um are there any candidates you know, in 2022 that you're very interested, you know, you're, you're very interested to see what happens. Is there anybody who's really electrifying to you? Like, what are your thoughts on, you know, candidates in 2022 that maybe I don't know about or the listeners don't know about that they should pay attention to? Well, honestly, I'd love to see Tulsi Gabbard run again. I have a lot of respect for her. I know she's not a Republican, but I'd rather her have a seat than uh, someone like, uh, who who's the lady in Hawaii right now. Um, oh, I I always forget her name. Um, Hirona. It's huh? Is it uh, Senator Hirona? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I would love to see Tulsi Gabbard overtake that because if we have more, mo- I would love to see more moderate Democrats run and more, uh, you know, Republicans with a backbone 
actually run. I'd love to see Josh Hawley win. Uh, of course, Ted Cruz. They they fight. Um, I don't really pay attention to many politicians, um, especially on the show. Really, the only ones I know the name of are the ones who are really, really good or the ones who suck. That's why I know most of the Democratic politicians' names. Um, and I think I haven't been paying attention too much to the election quite yet um, because 2022. Uh, but I'm hoping to see um, there is uh, – I forget his name, but he's, he's got a podcast um, – I'd love to see him run. He's in California uh, for Senate because he, he's currently just a local uh, represent, representative. I'd love to see him run because he's uh, very moderate, but he has been fighting the left. I mean, he's got a podcast uh, with another dude. It's called like Contracts It or something like that. Um, I'd love to see just more people who are not necessarily crony politicians, uh, more people like Trump run. People who were not involved in politics. More people like Ronald Reagan to run. Um, average people like you and me. Noah, you should run. You should run for Georgia. You know, I've actually, you know, it's very funny that you said that. I've actually got approached by some donors about running for my state rep seat. Don't think I'm going to do it, but if I do, I'll be sure I'll be sure to make sure you're the first one to know. Let's go. Um, yeah, I'm... I, I would love to see more uh, average people, just you, me, people who have conservative beliefs, beliefs um, fight back against the left and actually run for office. I I agree with you. I That's why I'm a big supporter of, I don't know exactly the best way to implement it, but term limits. Um, I'd love to see people not be able to, Nancy Pelosi's been in Congress since the 80s. Before Joe Biden was vice president, he had been in the Senate since, like, 19... He had been in the Senate since... He was first elected to the Senate when my grandfather was in Vietnam. Wow. Okay. Um, I didn't realize... I, I knew that he was around for a while, but that's, since the 60s, 70s? That's... that's yeah, that's way too long. Yeah, he... I, um, well, yeah, I think that would make sense, because he's been in there for 47 years... 47 and after you know if he i think he'll be one of the hopefully one of the last politicians to serve 50 years in the government because that is just crazy personally yeah well i mean we fought a war to get away from a monarchy and uh tyrants being able to be um in power for hundreds of years i mean we fought against the monarchy for a reason, and I feel like we're just bringing that back in America. Yeah. Well, Tyler, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners? Um, um Check out the podcast, guys. Uh, and if you are someone who's wanting to step up, if you're young like me, I'm young, I'm dumber than Michael Knowles, and I'm still doing it. So I think that anyone can you know do something like this step up even if it's you go to your school board me- meeting join TPUSA um stuff like that there's so many things that you can do to step up and that's what I would do also come join us on the show you can just find all the information uh, at the patrioticyouth.com uh that's where you can find our blog our episodes um soon to have our videos we're working on animated uh, series um to explain american history 
And uh, we've got a lot coming there, so you can also check out our merch, sto- merch store there. So uh, that's patrioticyouth.com. And, uh, yeah, I hope, to, uh, hope you guys come and listen. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure we put that in the, uh, in the show notes down below so people can definitely click that. But, again, thank you so much for coming on, Tyler. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Ring. Episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love it if you shared our podcast with your friends and family. It helps us reach new listeners and provide them with the truth about our generation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.